It's time for two blokes talking tech. I just think technology is awesome. Good advice for anyone who is looking for a laptop. With all the latest news and information about technology. Now that, that's the guy. <laughs> it's so hard to take a bad photo now with these cameras. I think that stuff is just brilliant. It is something that people really need to look at. Two blokes talking tech. Haven't we got the best jobs in the world? We have. <laughs> we absolutely have the best job. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. I love talking technology. And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. Do you really need a 10 megapixel camera to take those images? I say not. Two blokes talking tech. Embrace those little ideas there. Have a look around and, and ask questions. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading wherever you are. Two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 16. And those two blokes are myself, Trevor Long from Your Tech Life, and Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. G'day, mates. Trevor, how are you? I'm outstanding. What a great day. And, mate, uh, it's a bit interesting, a bit weird for us because this is episode 16, but it's been two weeks since 15, but only one week since we did the Apple special. So a little bit confusing, but we're, we're back on track, people. Episode we 16. Here. We are here. And we will get cracking right now. Really interesting stuff going around today, and we should thank, before we before we go on, we should thank the good people at Samsung with their smart TVs and Netgear, netgear.com.au. We'll tell you more about them as the show goes on. But, mate, I was reading a lot of stuff today on um, and the last few days about Facebook and uh, a couple of things, and I've, I've kind of drawn them together in some of the stuff I've talked about over the last couple of days on the radio. Um, Facebook is, is looking at potentially having an IPO early next year, and they're talking $100 billion. And also, there's some usage reports out that suggest that their their usage uh, on a monthly basis, uh, individual users using it, not the total number of members, but individual users using the site on a monthly basis, is actually static or, or, or even dropping in some countries. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, well, well. Let's let's look at the biggest market, the US, which has had a had a solid drop down. Usage fell from 155.2 million at the start of May. And it dropped down to 149.4 million uh, at the end of the month. So that's a drop of 3.7 percent, which uh, is the first time that it's had a, a that that decent drop month on month for more than a year. Um, but uh, UK and and Norway, Russia, other countries have seen not as large drops, but, but no, significant but still, drops as well. They've but, had uh, this constant, constant growth, and it must be interesting to sit around the uh, the boardroom table of Facebook, where they just love bringing out KPIs and love looking at stats and going, "How good are we?" But then, hang on a minute, we're we're, we're not as impenetrable as we might have hoped. But look, it's not a, it's not all the end of the world for them. They're, they're still growing, just not growing as much. But in those markets, you know, to lose six million people in in the US is a really important thing because to grow globally and pick up people in I don't know you know out of Azerbaijan or something it doesn't really matter it's <laughs> there's no monetization in that but in the US there's serious sales and monetization involved so 3% drop is a big thing yeah, absolutely. Well, you mentioned the, the growth in other countries. Now, Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, he's, he's really got his eye on the one billion mark. Now, while the US has had this little drop off in the UK, countries like Brazil, Indonesia, the Philippines, Mexico, Argentina are, are flocking to the site. Now, they've got quite large populations if you add them all together. Mm. But he's also eyeing off China. Now, China's a, obviously a massive market, more than half a billion users just in that country alone. Now, we know that Google's had their dramas in China, but 
if Facebook can crack it there, I think the million, the, the billion, I should say, would be achievable. But uh, you've got to ask yourself, though, just the US and the UK drop-offs. I posed this question on techguide.com.au uh, today and asked, well, has Facebook peaked? Yeah. Have we seen it? Yes. And what was the answer, answer thus far? Has there been a bit of a response? Well, it's, it seems that there's, there's, uh, people's, uh, assessment of the situation is that there, there are more people going to Twitter. Yep. There's more people going to LinkedIn. Yeah. And so that's, other that's social networks yeah. are growing. Well, their usage is, is still on the rise and steady. So it seems that there's only so many people in the world that are social networking. They're just sort of diverting to other sites maybe for the time. That, that is a very interesting point, which I hadn't considered. Maybe, and it's not the absolute limit, but maybe we're at the, at the random limit of, of social networking as a tool. It's going to take some more time for this to develop and to really get impact. But if that's the case, it's a, it's a very interesting thing. And when you draw that bow that I drew earlier, to say that in 2012, next year, when they float, will this have an impact on them? Probably not, because when you're talking about hundreds of millions of users, it's still a very important audience, very important scale in terms of getting advertising out to people. Um, but, you know, interesting when you when you think about it. And, and yeah, but, yeah, I think maybe you, you may have seen in recent recently, like Facebook's always in the news, but more recently they were talking about things. Well, well, I we spoke about this in the past about the viruses and and, and yeah. other spam hitting the They've hitting got to the do Facebook feed. That. that could be a reason why people maybe are staying away. Uh, there was also talk of of a facial recognition. Um, yeah. Feature where where you you're automatically identified in photos. Privacy has always been a bit of an issue on on Facebook as well. So I don't know. Maybe maybe there are some people who thought well maybe you know they've reached the final straw. They thought well enough's enough. They just they they're not participating maybe for those reasons or maybe they're just bored. They they just want something different. Man, I think the spam thing is a really valid point. And I, you know I know it's not real, but for for in terms of me being on the board. But if I was sitting there in, in the boardroom of Facebook, I would say people. Your number one issue is the crap on the site. Um, Absolutely, you know, yeah. I saw on the weekend, frankly, one of the most disgusting photos I've ever seen appear in such a public place. And it was, uh-huh. you know, a friend of mine who'd clicked this link and, you know, one of those see who's viewed your profile links, but then it put a video, what was a pretend video link. It was just one of those images that makes you think it's a video and it was pornographic. And I just thought yeah. to myself, this poor girl who I went to school with has no idea why that happened and and this has infected you know she's got friend, her mum's on there you know absolutely how do you well, explain my, my, that my, to my your mum I'm friends with my kids on Facebook you know and, and, and some of their friends even on Facebook this sort of thing it, it, it would be enough to turn some people away and may have been the case in, the, in this in this one I agree and I think that's that's what they've got to work on they've got to work on filtering that stuff out They've got to work on cleaning up their act. And, you know, I, th- I don't have a huge problem with their privacy thing, but I just think it's very interesting to see how that trend is going. But I, I think over the next few months we, we'll investigate more that concept of the actual, you know, scale of social networking and whether we might have reached some sort of peak. Two, two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now I know I know you're an Angry Birds fan, Trevor. As oh. am I. Oh, mate, I've got it on every device now. And you know so what? My we wife is to time. a point. My wife is to a point where she looks at my son and says, "Whose iPad have you got?" Because she doesn't want him completing her levels. Oh, geez, it's a bit of Angry Birds envy going oh, on over yeah. there. Oh yeah. But uh, mate, it's interesting that I've, I've uh, come across this other item that it's a bit of Angry Birds merchandising. 
Oh, the merchandising now, is going four, crazy. That's right. Yeah, well, you've already seen there's uh, lots of merchandising around there. But Gear 4, quite a respected audio company in the out of the UK, are actually going to be producing Angry Birds speakers. Now, this range, there's three in the range. There's two of this, the red bird and the black bird. And there's also the green pig with the helmet. Yes. Uh, they're, they're going to have stands or built-in iPod docks. So right, you yes. either dock your, uh, your iPhone or, or stand up plugins. your iPhone. Yeah. Dock it directly, uh, into the top of the, uh, pig with the helmet. Uh, and the Blackbird uh, also has a stand that can also charge the device once it's in the dock. But mm. it just goes to show what a huge impact this game's made. You know, I, I look at it and my son has literally got the red, the yellow uh, uh, birds. We've got a pig and, and the little blue bird in the soft toy versions. Uh, I got the, the red and the yellow online when they first came out. You know, it was pretty cool to have them before anyone else. And then uh, now they're in Toys R Us. You know, you can get them anywhere. I mean, for something like that to be in Toys R Us makes you show what what a potential market it is. Um, they've got a board game coming out. I am absolutely desperate for that. Um, and you know what? I will be making. I'll be baking in the weekends leading up to my son's birthday to see if I can try and make one of those Angry Birds cakes. Have you seen oh, that YouTube he'd video? He'd love you for that, mate. That's awesome. There's but, a YouTube uh, you should video. Get these speakers too. These will be a good birthday present. They oh. uh, they they're going to be priced between eighty nine ninety nine. And one hundred and twenty nine ninety nine when they go on sale later this year around August September. But uh, I think it just goes to show that if, 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 if you know you, you know you've arrived when they're making all this merchandise and even speakers based on your characters. We would like to thank uh, Samsung as one of the two blokes talking tech sponsors. They've Absolutely. just released a range of smart TVs. I actually saw they had a huge stand over at Westfield at East Gardens demonstrating the many features of the smart TVs to all the customers there. On a rainy weekend, it was a very popular stand. So if you're in the market for a new TV, Samsung have got a range, their smart TV range available in plasma or LED, various sizes up to massive 64-inch models. Uh, the TV TV, Samsung Smart TV, no longer the idiot box. It's actually the gateway to content and apps and services. You can surf the net, watch YouTube, stream movies, make and receive Skype calls, and even do all your social networking, Facebook and Twitter, right there on your big TV, right from your couch. So the full HD Samsung TVs are also 3D compatible and can do 2D to 3D conversions in real time. So for any more information, head over to samsung.com.au. Oh, I don't play that one enough. I like that one. Mate, um, a few months, it feels like months ago now, but we, we headed along to the Research in Motion headquarters in North Sydney and actually recorded the podcast from there. We did. After we getting gave a, them the honour, Trevor. Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, and, and to any uh, big companies out there that think it's not an honour, well, you haven't had us in your boardroom Absolutely. recording this very great podcast. You haven't podcast. lived unless you have the two blokes in your office. That's, that's what I've got to say. That's right. No, we, we, we played with the playbook, uh, which is their new tab tablet device for a little bit, uh, but after that, uh, only a couple of weeks ago, we got to get hands-on with it, and we've now got a release date. Mate, oh, I've got to... Let, let me be really, really simple up front. It, it didn't blow my mind, okay? It was a nice device. It, it is really nice to hold in your hand. It is slick and fast, and the gestures on it are, are, are very good, and um, a lot of thought's gone into that. 
Um, but as a BlackBerry man, and I've said that a million times, I'm happy to wear that on my sleeve, um, it didn't do it for me because the, there was a bit of lag between, because I was able to do this bridging thing, which allowed me to actually connect my email and BlackBerry Messenger up to the device, but yep. there was there was a bit of a lag. It was quicker, obviously, because I had the phone sitting there, it was quicker to see the messages for BlackBerry Messenger come up on the phone than on the playbook. Um, you know, so generally it wasn't, it didn't blow my yeah, mind. I'm surprised you're saying that too, because I wrote in my review, I think if you're in the BlackBerry family, if you're a dedicated BlackBerry user, this would be the tablet to buy because, uh, you know, you can, that, that bridge functionality is handy. You can view your email on the larger screen, your contacts, your calendar, and then the minute that you, you, you cease that connection, it's all secure back on your handset. But it's interesting that if you don't own a BlackBerry, Hmm. And you, you, the, there is no native mail application, no. no native calendar or contact. So BlackBerry is saying, well, you can still access your mail if, if you, if possible on the web. So if you've got web mail, you can access whatever. That's how you can access your mail. So there's no native mail application as there is on the iPad, as there is on the many Android tablets that we've seen and we've spoken about. Hmm. So I think that, that's, that's one thing to think that, they're playing. They're obviously playing. They're, they're, pre, they're, they're preaching to the choir because they, they want this playbook to appeal to their existing customers. I don't they think do. this, this playbook is going to attract new BlackBerry customers because they've, they've left those out, out those basic features. But just in terms of general use, I, I had a play. I've had a play with it for a couple of weeks too myself. I'm impressed with the speed of it. It's, it's oh, quite yeah. big, quite fast. The uh, the size of it, I'm quite comfortable with too. I think it's a very handy size, not as large as the the, the iPad. So it's easier to carry around. The screen is very impressive, but uh, that was the one that that one thing that, uh, that that let it down. I think was not having those native apps to open it up to everyone else and not just limit it to to just the hardcore BlackBerry users. One thing I, I think I, I I didn't quite like about it either was there was no that they brag about how good the camera is on the device, but there's no flash on it on mm. the back panel. Uh, so that that was another th- reason I took a, another point off it as well. So. Um, yeah, I think uh, yeah. It, it, it's no iPad, it's no Android, it's, it's, it's a third choice. That's how I wrote it up in my review. We've, we've seen so many other Android machines. The operating system is very impressive. If it had had the native mail and native, all those other applications we mentioned, I think it would be would have been a lot higher in my estimation. And now we've got a release date. Is it June 20? June 20, and it starts, interestingly enough, at 579 which is the identical price of the Wi-Fi-only iPad. So the 16-gig Wi-Fi-only BlackBerry is the same price as the entry-level iPad 2. I just, honestly, we say this about every single tablet. Hello, people, you've got to come in cheaper if you're going to compete with Apple. I, I still can't believe we're talking about Apple as being the, the cheap one, but the, the, uh, here's the interesting thing. It's going to be available quite heavily at Harvey Norman stores, so they're, yeah. they've really done a deal there to push it through Harvey Norman. I um, I just wonder whether that's the right channel, you know? It, it seems, yeah. seems quite strange. They're also going to offer through Optus and Telstra and Vodafone stores too, I think. Even though it's oh, not yeah. a 3G model, it's only a Wi-Fi-only model, so they're going to go through their normal distribution channel through the phone stores. I think that was interesting. Look, it'll be interesting to see. The problem is we never get any stats. We don't have iPad stats in Australia, we don't have much, but uh, it'll just be interesting to see how it's picked up and uh, and we'll have to pay close attention to see the success of the BlackBerry Playbook but be interested to see what the listeners think after a little while, if you buy one, if you've played with one, let us know, twoblokestalkingtech.com, you can get in touch with us anytime, send us an email, say g'day I might quickly bring up a couple that have that have come through in the last couple of weeks to, to say g'day um, but yes, twoblokestalkingtech.com 
Now, we know that the uh, the national broadband network uh, was a big issue at the last election, mm-hmm. and love it or hate it, it's, they're, they're building it right now, and the government now is intent on selling the thing, making sure that people realise the potential that the NBN can offer. And one of the things they're going to do is try to encourage businesses to uh, to get online. Yeah. I found this really interesting. I, I wrote this on, on my website today. That, uh, that there was there was a stat release that revealed that 65% of Australian businesses do not have an online presence. I it, think I thought that was amazing. It is, and I've heard it before. Like Google talked about it when they launched that MIOB thing. My only concern with that stat, and I'm just being a narc, is that there's a difference between a business and a business registration. So, you know, I've got probably three business registrations just for kind of the namesake and a couple other reasons. There's a lot of just shelf companies out there. I mean, I think what we need is a real genuine survey on, you know, corner stores, um, small businesses from home, online businesses, real absolute businesses to see, you know, what the usage of different technologies is. not obviously just um, uh, online presence because the online ones will definitely be there, but um, it is it is a real problem because it's been hard to do. I know a couple of people have just set up a, an online business, sorry, an online portal for their business um, through Facebook instead of building a website. They've just yeah, that's, built that's a really Facebook common page. now. I've seen that yeah. a lot too. But uh, this this government initiative, I think, you know, their hearts in the right place. They they want to help businesses achieve success online. Like Steve Conroy, the Minister for Broadband Communications and the Digital Economy, just recently said that he wants Australia to be one of the global digital leaders by 2020, and mm. helping businesses online is one way of achieving that. But uh, he the, the stats they mentioned that online retailing is growing by 11 percent per year that's according to research by Forrester and you compare that to traditional retail growth which is just two percent so well it's uh, it's obvious where the future lies in terms of retail and mate let's not kid ourselves let's remember borders gone uh, today Colorado stores gone I mean these these are big bricks and mortar stores closing down and yeah there's probably a million different reasons for it but you can't really argue with some of the some of the benefits of online shopping um, the convenience of just going up the road and getting something in the hand straight there and then is is really it's only yeah. big um, benefit in terms of local shopping so if it's all about price mate I was sitting in the office today and I was over because we're in open plan now I'm hearing the girls who sit ni- with me literally just <laughs> chatting about you know buying shoes here and which stores are reputable and I just I was kind of blown away you know they literally are going I can save $500 on a pair of shoes what, why what would about, I not what about all the group buying websites they've, they've exploded you've got what? kudos jump on it there's so many of them as well like, I noticed it's, online is the go like, it, it, it's, it's where we're all going and part of this initiative is a website actually funny enough Call uh, drive, www.drivingbusinessonline.com.au. Uh, there's a link to it from my website, but uh, it, it provides some tools that can help businesses get started and gives them some, lots of good advice. There's lots of really high-profile partners as well, I've got to mention too, PayPal, Optus, Australia Post, uh, eBay, MIOB. So there, there's a few people there yeah. that are lending their expertise to this exercise. I think it's uh, something businesses really just can't ignore. They've really got to jump in, I think. I think that's right. You can't ignore it, people. Online is here. We've been telling it for a long time. Stop ignoring it. Two blokes talking tech.
Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Before I tell you about Netgear, uh, shout out to Ben uh, from Geelong who says, love the show, guys. Less is more and your weekly tech refresher is a valuable addition to my playlist of music and podcasts. Thank you, Ben. Uh, really on, appreciate yeah, ben. the contact. And you can get in touch too at twoblokestalkingtech.com. Now, our good friends at netgear.com.au, Netgear uh, Connecting with Innovation. They're, they're great networking products. I just wanted to tell you quickly, if you've got a Netgear product on your network, uh, especially a modem router kind of thing, there's a great thing I've been looking at um, called Netgear Genie. Now, it's only available on Windows at the moment, but it will be coming a Mac very soon. Um, but it's basically a little thing powered by a thing called SiteView, but allows you to easily manage and maintain your home network. Now, if you've got a Net- Netgear device, it's free. You just download it. It's just go to their website, netgear.com, and you can download it. Um, but it does things like automatically fix common wireless problems. Um, it's got live parental controls, guest access, really easy ways to get to traffic metering, uh, speed testing. Um, it does a network map. What it is, essentially, and Steve, you would have seen, you know, some of these back ends when you log on to a, to a router, they're very, mm-hmm. they're very complicated. They're, they're not really user friendly. This is Whoa. a user friendly, yeah, this is a user friendly click to view. Uh, overview of your network and it's really important um, way to, to, to manage your network so if you've got a Netgear router at home uh, check out the Netgear Genie uh, just go to netgear.com Mate, I, um, I've had in my hot little hand now for about a week and a bit that Asus E-Pad Transformer that we looked at a little while right ago. Right, oh, mine only arrived today. I must have got your hand-me-down then, did I? <laughs> no, because I've still got it. I may not give it back. I may not give it back. I'm really? really? That's a big call. Well, just it's, it's a really interesting device. Now, I've decided to call it a netbook with a detachable screen, okay? Yeah. Because this whole tablet thing, it, 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 it gives it a taint. It taints it with a different sort of brand, you know? And also it puts price comparisons to, to, to pay. It's very hard. So what, I, what I'd say to people is this is an Asus netbook. Now, the, here's the number one thing I've taken out of this experience, which, which allows me not to really talk about the tablet very much, is Android. I have really enjoyed the Android Honeycomb uh, experience on a netbook because you don't you don't see it like that normally. You just see it on a tablet, a Zoom, or a Galaxy, or whatever it is. Uh-huh. And on a on a netbook, do you remember when they first came out? The EPCs, they were the leaders. They they had this you know Linux version, which no one took up because everyone was scared of it. And they ended yeah. up having to basically make Windows the default. So you can buy a four hundred dollar netbook, and yeah, it's got Windows in it. But imagine if that netbook didn't have Windows. Imagine if it was just a netbook without all the touchscreen stuff and it had this Android operating system. It's actually a very good operating system. And and I actually wonder whether that's the the battle. We always talk about Android versus iOS because of Apple and the smartphones, but I actually think that at, at a very base level, Windows versus Android is is a much more compelling uh, battle in the in the portable computing space, and I mean absolutely, netbook. yeah. Well, you, you'll notice too that there was a recently, uh, it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, Microsoft unveiled uh, gave us a glimpse of Windows mm. eight, and yes. it did have. It had a lot of uh, features that we've seen on Windows Phone Seven. Yes, I think yes. that's that's the the message. What you've said is absolutely right. The message is getting through that these operating systems that we've perfected on touchscreen devices are going to be useful for uh, netbooks and laptops, etc. Too, like apart from Windows Eight, 
Mm. We also saw last week with OS 10 with Lion. The There's also pack. some iOS, iPhone, iPad type features that are being brought across to that platform too. So I think the, you're, you're exactly, you've hit the nail on the head where the, this software being used in a different form is going to be the, probably the future of our computers. And now, um, I mean, I'm not saying it's at all ready yet. I wouldn't buy uh, a netbook with with this Android operating system, I wouldn't do it because here's an example of how how badly put together it is. But but these are learnings that they'll need to take. There's a great thing called uh, Polaris Office, and I, I wrote a whole article on this, and it was fantastic to tap away on a keyboard and write this thing, and you know touch the screen and zoom away and all that sort of stuff. But then I highlighted some text, which was difficult to do because you can't click and drag because it thinks it's a touch screen, so you've got to act like a touch screen. It's a bit not counterintuitive. And then I copied to the clipboard. I went out to my email and I couldn't paste. The clipboard oh. is, is like clipboard within that program, not within the whole operating system. So, you know, there's a lot of little things that need to improve before it is a whole of system operating system. But just generally, the EPAD is, is a very nice device. Um, the, the, the transition between netbook and, and tablet is absolutely seamless. Um, it, 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 the, did you the, use it much as a tablet though at all, or did you mainly use it as a netbook? Yeah, no, I've used it probably fifty-fifty. Um, okay. you know, and and I've sat there playing Angry Birds on it. You know, so uh, <laughs> so a, as a tablet, you liked it? It's as a tablet, it's great. Oh, well, I just got mine today, so I haven't tried it. And, yet. and you know, the first thing you need to do is activate the live wallpaper, the 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 window, the the water level one, which is yeah. just such a cool, simple. That gives little you the thing. battery level, doesn't it? That's right, battery level. Awesome. It's just really nice and. You know, I like the, the, the desktop style of, of, the, of the honeycomb. I really think it's impressive, and I think Apple's got a long way to go before they integrate that style of, of widget performance in there. So I think that's its best advantage. So, look, I was very impressed. I think the price point is still appalling um, because it's, it's not competitive, uh, and you know, you're not going to buy the, the 16 gig version for 599 because then you don't get the keyboard, uh, and it's only Wi-Fi at the moment. So that's a real pain for me because there's just not enough Wi-Fi. I've only got Wi-Fi at home. I had to tether my Android phone to get internet anywhere else, and that's killing my data. So look, an interesting <laughs> device, but I just saw it a little bit of a, a future lesson for, for the operating system wars, not just on the smartphones, but also on, on portable computers. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Trevor Long and Stephen Fennig. 3D, Trevor. I you know, know I love it. You're not a huge fan. <laughs> I, I, I think you've made that quite clear. I had uh, a listener point that out to me tonight. And I went, you have been listening too much. <laughs> well, the 3D is also... Uh, there was another person who's not a huge fan of 3D, and that's Russell Kogan. Oh, really? I'd never he really engaged that. He spoke out about this a number of times. He, he said that it wasn't... He, he, he said that he wasn't the biggest fan of 3D, and, yep. and he made that opinion quite clear. But ironically, <laughs> Kogan has released a 3D LED TV range of What products. a shock. So he's, but he's just saying that he's being honest. He said, look, he's responding to what the customers want and they, they were after 3D. I think 50-50 split, he, he said with his customers whether they want 3D or not. So he thought he'd, he'd bite the bullet and introduce these new home entertainment products. And they start with a 46 inch 3D LED, full HD TV, mm-hmm. priced from $899. Now that's a pretty competitive price and that's using their live price uh, system where the earlier you order, the cheaper it gets. Yeah. So what's the actual price? The actual price w- is is uh, 
for the 46-inch model, 899 using live price or, or 999 at the regular price. Mm. There's also a 55-inch model that's 1499 using live price or 1699 for the regular price. But I think what it does, it's it's it, it's a, obviously a very affordable TV that puts this sort of technology in the into the hands into the reach of more people. Uh, but those TVs also include a PVR. Built-in yep. PVR, so you can pause, record, rewind live TV. But they've also uh, the they also can can do two D to three D conversion as well. So yeah, that's a handy that's, feature that's a pretty for crucial people thing who to want have. to play their favorite games or their favorite movies that may, may have not have been released in three D. But they can do that on their uh, on the Kogan. 3D LED TVs. Yeah, I think he had to do it in the end because also I think that at a factory level it's it's going to become default. You know, panels will just come with it because once now that it's so prolific at the major manufacturer level, it's it's basically um, really easy to get <laughs> 3D into a TV. But you know what's interesting, yeah. and I know the PVR is what really sets him apart. But and and I I, I like Rosalind. I like what he does. But here's the problem: is it makes it very hard to price match. Um, so I'm looking at JB Hi-Fi. I can get a, a, a full HD 51 inch Samsung uh, full HD 3D plasma for 13.96. Now you know that's that's a Samsung and it's yeah. 1300 bucks. It's um you know comparative. But he's got a PVR. Is that enough to put me over the line? It's only a USB PVR. There's a you know it's very hard to price match Kogan stuff these days. And I think that's a cunning part of his strategy. But Absolutely, look, yeah. you know, he has a loyal base of fans, and it's it's viral in a sense. He you know? does, he does. And he, but he's also loyal to them. He really listens to what no, they say. Right. He, he's even made. We've discussed this in the past. He's even made products that they've suggested. He's yeah. created them or ordered them from his different factories, I suppose. But in this instance, he's he's made it also clear that that moving moving from a two D TV to a three D TV, that the technology that enables that is actually quite inexpensive. He was saying so. Yeah. That's why he he's introduced this line of products. Should point out too that it uses active shutter glasses, which are the rechargeable glasses, yep. and they're priced at forty nine dollars a pair. Which is a he's bloody also good price. Introduced a three D Blu ray displayer, which is priced from one eighty nine with live price or two oh nine with their regular pricing as well. And that see that to me is where his market is for people that have bought the big TV. I mean, I've got that LG with three D. I don't have any any ability to play a Blu ray three D. So. You know that's a nice nice thing to have is 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 a is a player from uh, from Kogan perhaps absolutely to, to that's also on. Wi-Fi it's yes. got Wi-Fi connectivity as well so that's not, so, not bad for that price and, and you know he does listen to the consumers so you have got to give him credit for that all right Rosalind Kogan he's uh, doing it again with 3D this time. Well, mate, that wraps it up. Episode 16, done and dusted. Thank you to netgear.com.au and samsung.com.au. Samsung uh, Smart TVs and Network, Netgear Networking Connectivity Products. Uh, thank you, mate. We'll talk again next week, and I shall see you at State of Origin number two. Yes, we will. Yes, you will. Go the Blues. Go the Maroons. <laughs>